Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Monday, the 21st of September, 2020. Do you remember what we talked about on Saturday? We looked at Psalm 108. And we looked at the first few verses, and it paints this very idyllic scene. Uh, David is, is a psalm of David, and he says this, My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. And, you know, you if you read that, maybe like me, you picture, you know, some... Israeli sunrise about 3,000 years ago, and uh, David is sitting there on a hillside with his harp, and the sun is, is coming up in the east, and he is plucking away and singing a tune of praise to his God, talking about his steadfast love and his faithfulness, and everything is just right with the world. But now it's Monday and you're waking up for a new week and it probably doesn't feel like that. Well, we're going to read the rest of Psalm 108 today. And what I want you to see is that the Bible is not always talking about the ideal, perfect, everything is calm situation. The Bible is full of real life. And the Bible is not, the people that want to say the Bible is, um, just painting some rosy picture where everything's perfect, they've never read it because that's never what the Bible depicts. And and so we pick it up today as we read Psalm 108, 7 through 13, and he goes on, but he starts to say some uh, discouraging things. Look at verse 11. Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our armies. Bye-bye sunrise and playing the harp on the hillside with the sheep. That's not the picture here. Uh, David is, is disturbed. And then he prays. He cries out to God in verse 12. Oh, grant us help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of man. With God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. And so... There, we see really, there's clearly some difficulty to the context of this psalm. And that's really what I want to point out to you today. This ideal scene of I'm singing, I'm waking up the dawn with uh, a steadfast heart and songs of praise to God for his steadfast love and faithfulness. That wasn't going on on a day where David had just, you know, slept in, had a great night's sleep. Everything's great. Let's praise God. It's who knows, maybe it was after a sleepless night and he's asking, why, are, why aren't you going out with our armies? But even still, I'm going to wake up the dawn with praise because no matter what, you are full of steadfast love and you are faithful. And even though he's disturbed, even though he's crying out to God, you see the psalm ends with confidence in God. With God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. And so as we start a new week today, maybe you just had a great weekend and maybe this is, you feel like this is going to be a great week. And so you are popping out of bed this Monday morning, crying out to God, waking up the dawn with praise, or or maybe it feels like things are falling apart. 
in your life. And this week is just full of things that you are going to dread. I don't know. But whatever the situation, we can be steadfast because the love of God is steadfast and he is always faithful no matter what. And even this this thread of difficulty in the Christian life is is something that really kind of runs throughout many of the passages that we're looking at today. I think we see that here in Psalm 108, as we see difficulty that David was, was having in ways that he was distressed, but calling out to God, remembering God, even worshiping God when it was difficult. And we're going to see some of that in Hebrews chapter 5 today, as we read all of Hebrews chapter 5. And remember, we've kind of summarized Hebrews with this phrase, Jesus is better. And we've seen, hey, he is better than the angels. He is better than Moses. And now we're really getting into, he, he is better than any human high priest could ever be. Uh, you, you see some of that there at the beginning where it says, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer, offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. Uh, and so it's saying, hey, the, the human high priest He is able to sympathize with sinners because he's a sinner too. And therefore, he even has to offer sacrifice for his own sins. And then it gets into no one exalted themselves to be the high priest. That was something that they had to be called by God to do. And same Jesus, he did not exalt himself. He was called by God to this position. But then we start seeing, well, he didn't have to offer sacrifice for his own sins. He was perfect, but that does not mean it was easy. In the days of his flesh, verse 7 says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So we see he is a unique high priest and he was perfect, but we see that that path that Jesus took to perfection was not easy. And that is where we need to step back and consider a theological truth today. And that is what we call the hypostatic union, which is the fancy theological term that we believe Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He was the God man. These two natures united in one person. And we know that God cannot sin. God cannot sin. And so I think sometimes we may be, because we understand the deity of Christ, we assume that, well, obedience for Christ was just a walk in the park. There was nothing difficult about it. We need to remember, though, that Jesus was also 100% human. And so he was tempted, as we saw yesterday in chapter four, he was tempted 
like you and me are. In fact, he was tempted more because he never gave in. So the temptation and the difficulty of that just kept on rising to points that you and I haven't experienced because we have not stood strong and been perfect against temptation like Jesus was. And here it talks about him learning obedience through what he suffered, that the path to Jesus's perfection led him through suffering and difficulty and temptation. And because that it's not like, oh, that was nothing because he's God. Well, he was also 100% man. And it uses terms like suffering to describe what he went through. So again, if you think that growing in godliness and living a holy Christ-like life is just going to be a walk in the park and that, you know, hey, you'll really reach godliness when you just roll out of bed in the morning and Oh, you know what? I just feel so selfless today and just like loving everybody and standing strong against temptation. That's probably not what it's going to look like. The path to growth and Christ likeness is going to involve suffering and there will be difficulty in that obedience, but that will make it even more precious. And the best part here is we have a high priest who has done it. He has been perfect and it's because of that he is the source of eternal salvation, that our salvation is not dependent on our perfection, on our um, good works. It was achieved through Jesus Christ. But we also know now he is calling us to follow him. And we just need to be clear that that, that's not just going to be some easy rosy path because it wasn't for him. If we want to follow Christ and be Christ-like, it's going to include suffering. Obedience is going to include suffering just like it did for him. And we also know that the Christian life will be difficult, not just as we pursue obedience and fight against the flesh, but we will be surrounded by a hostile culture. And so that brings us back today to Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21. And here we see Jesus talking about the future. And it's clear uh, from what he, how he started that some of this is pertaining to um, what's coming, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. But I also think Jesus, and clearly he is in other parts of this chapter, talking about a even greater future day when the son of man will return. And so we see elements of both in this chapter, but one thing he talks about that will come is persecution, that They will be delivered up before kings and governors for his name's sake. And we see how even some of that was fulfilled before 70 AD. There was great persecution of the church. But we also know that there will be great persecution of the church until Christ comes back. And even I think there will be more as it gets closer to the return of Christ. But what I want us to focus in there as we look today at Luke chapter 21 verses 10 through 24 is verses... uh, 16 through 19, where it says, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. And so there we we see that there will be hatred towards the people of God. It's not going to be easy. But even in the midst of all that, God makes promises to care for his people. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. 
that there is promises of even God's protection, God's provision, and ultimately that when we stay strong through persecution, that there will be something great on the other and there will be eternal life. We will be vindicated and we will know eternity with Christ. So another thing reminding us of some of the difficulty of the Christian life, it is not going to be a cakewalk. There will be persecution, but God will be with us. Even that reminds me of the last words there of the Great Commission when Jesus says that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Now, Isaiah, we uh, read verses, or sorry, chapters 16 through 20 today. And again, we're in this stretch of Isaiah where he is focusing really on a lot of kingdoms around Israel. And so today we we see he's talking about Moab at the beginning. In chapter 17, he talks about Damascus, which would have been the capital city of the kingdom of Syria. We see Cush and Egypt. Those would have been uh, nations there in Africa. And, And then we see other things. We do see some promises even that he talks about cities that will be following the Lord in Egypt. And so I think it's an interesting window because we get so much in scripture about God's relationship to the people of Israel. And there there certainly is a, a focus there. And I certainly believe God is not done with the nation of Israel. But I think here we also see that that doesn't mean God is just totally ignorant and every uh, other nation in the world is nothing to him. That he will hold other nations accountable But here, even in some of the promises where, you know, speaking of future good things for Egypt, that also other nations have some role in God's plan for good as well. And God has a plan clearly, as we see in the New Testament, as the gospel spreads to the Gentiles to spread salvation and the knowledge of Christ to all peoples and all nations. So no, we do not see the United States of America anywhere in the pages of scripture. But that does not mean that God does not care about this country. And on the one hand, that doesn't mean that God is not going to judge this country and hold this country accountable for its great sin. But that also doesn't mean that God is no doubt going to work to save many and already has throughout history saved many people in this country. And so we know that that, that, that does, just because the United States of America isn't mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean that God doesn't care about it. And, and both on the one hand for judgment, but then also on the other for salvation, which again are the themes of the book of Isaiah. And so again, we look at God's word today and Hopefully none of us go into this new week just expecting, well, life's just going to be a walk in the park and we'll just be smelling the roses and praising God for his faithfulness. No, I'm sure there will be difficult things this week. There will be difficult things in our world until Christ comes and sets up his kingdom here. But still, even in the midst of all that, we can trust God, his steadfast love, his faithfulness, and we can worship him no matter what. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.